0: 13 Reasons Why is the uh, name of a Netflix series that came out about three years ago. I haven't seen it, not really planning to, but I gather that it's a mystery teen drama based on a novel by Jay Asher. Uh, The show begins with uh, two main characters, a guy called Clay Jensen and his friend Hannah Baker. And the plot centers around the girl Hannah, who ends up tragically taking her life her own life. She commits suicide and she does that because of how poorly she was treated by specific people at her own school, high school. The twist in the story has to do with a box of cassette tapes that she recorded before um, the suicide and she arranges things so that after she dies, each of the 13 people who harmed her would have to listen to her true confessions. This plot sounds implausible to me but regardless uh, the series has garnered a large following uh some have praised the series but there is a ton of controversy surrounding it uh particularly its portrayal of teen suicide uh mental health professionals uh especially are really concerned that this kind of entertainment the hollywood sensationalizing of suicide can lead to at risk teens considering suicide as a way out <clears throat> And in some ways, um, thinking, speaking out about these things is, is, can be a bit frightening um, or disconcerting, um, troubling to acknowledge suicide as a real problem among our young people. And I, th- I think we would all, those of us who have children, we all want to say, oh, my child would never do a thing like that. <clears throat> and there's almost a fear that even talking about something like this in a sermon uh, will plant the idea in some unsuspecting soul. And now they look it up online, and then who knows what will happen. Um, I've triggered a series of unintended consequences. Um, And, you know, I share those worries with parents. (laughs) Uh, But the truth is, if your kids are in school, they know about this already, Um, And as Christians, we should not be afraid to discuss these things. Uh, We need to be aware of these realities and we need to hold them up to the light of God's word. And it is precisely people with these kinds of struggles that the Lord speaks to. Self-harm, self-injury, cutting these are coping mechanisms that many teenagers resort to. They find sharp objects to cut themselves with. Sometimes they burn parts of their body or they cause bruising. And you might wonder, like, why would anyone do a thing like that? Um, it's a twisted coping mechanism, a way to deal with psychological or emotional problems pain that is swirling inside emotions that are hard to deal with or to understand feelings of loneliness or worthlessness self-hatred or even sexual confusion and you feel isolated trapped with these horrible feelings inside not knowing what to do with them it's like a tsunami that is raging inside your soul so cutting ends up being a way to deflect the pain. If I can cause pain over here, then I'll be distracted from the pain that is boiling inside of me. I don't mean to be morbid um, this morning, but it, it is kind of just the tip of the iceberg. It's hard to be a young man or a young woman today. Navigating the subtle, complex world of social interaction can be very difficult. It seems much easier to do what everyone else is doing, uh, whether that be binge drinking or uh, getting buzzed as a way to relax with friends and to have a good time, Uh, uh, wanting to be sexually liberated, um, to join the world of the hookup culture, to use the lingo. Uh, That's what everyone does, right? Never mind... That studies after studies show that young people who go down that road almost always experience heartache, regret, grief, anger, and worse. But of course, we all want our life to be, you want your life to be a good movie. It can't be a boring tale of hymn singing virgins. So mix in a little grief, a little depression, no worries. You think you can roll with it. And to be honest, I read, uh, you know, I teach college students and I read uh, a lot of the literature. And when I read about emerging adults, as they're called, um, it's actually somewhat depressing, if I'm honest about that. Please listen to the text before us from Isaiah, chapter 40, verses 27 to 31, um, do confess that I'm I'm still being sanctified, so when I was preparing the sermon, I was using the NIV. So, um, listen to God's word. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. If you are in high school, I want to tell you this. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. If you're a college student, I want to say the same thing to you. God is Is our refuge and strength and ever present help in times of trouble the text is saying this to all of us here today young and old God, God God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in times of trouble please pray with me Lord, open our eyes that we may see wonderful things in your law. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So this is the main point of my sermon today. It's the only point I have. Uh, And I want to hammer it home. It's actually from Psalm 46 verse 1. And it perfectly captures this passage from Isaiah. God is our refuge and strength. an ever present help in times of trouble. Um, You could argue that this is the implicit message of any good sermon that you have ever heard. God, God is our refuge and strength. He is here for you today right now he is your ever present help in times of trouble cling to him with all your might never ever let go God is our refuge but how often do we forget that the Israelites they fell into that trap didn't they They forgot the faithfulness of the Lord. The impossible had happened. Who would ever have believed it? King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon had defeated Israel. In fact, that was the fulfillment of prophecy. God used Babylon to judge Israel for her idolatry and rebellion. But to the Jewish nation, this was a terrible calamity. A tragedy. That the people of God could be vanquished by a pagan enemy. A pagan enemy whose gods were fake gods. They had no allegiance to Yahweh. The sky had fallen on their heads. The glory of Israel was over. All was lost. From now on, there could be only weeping and gnashing of teeth. In that period of agony and loss and grief... They had forgotten that God is our refuge. Listen to what it says in verse 27. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God? They were complaining. They couldn't make sense of their terrible, terrible experience. Doesn't God see what is happening to us? Has he turned his back on us? Or perhaps he just doesn't care anymore? Our enemies have won. God has abandoned his people. He has forgotten all his promises. I mean, verse 27, it's, it's heartbreaking. It's a verse that is full of pathos. Israel was losing faith in God. And friends... Are we so different? Are we not just like the nation of Israel? I know, I know. We, we like telling ourselves that they were ancient people. They had different customs, different culture. They lived in a different world. So there's a big gap between their world and our world. And on one level, that is true. Um, if you meet a seminary student... Um, Just be prepared to stifle a yawn as they drone on about the ancient Near Eastern context, right? But despite the differences between us and the ancient Israelites, I think we had a lot in common with them, right? Israel's problems, the things that kept them up awake at night, they are largely external. Their problems had to do with land, um, worrying about marauders, who could steal your property, a famine, drought, exile. In our society, in North America, those aren't typically the kinds of things that worry us. Uh, Many of us who live in this affluent culture, we struggle with more internal problems, psychological struggles, emotional pain, and we just complain like the Israelites... Why has God forgotten me? Does he not care? Does he not see what I am going through? We struggle with doubt and whether God is really real. We see all the nonsense. We see the mess around us. We see the political nightmare in Washington today. We see the hypocrisy. We see the hopelessness. And so we distract ourselves. We find satisfaction in other things computer games, movies, shows. um, And, you know, most of those things aren't inherently evil. Uh, These are often good gifts from God. Um, And many of you, I'm sure, have seen the movie 1917 or uh, the South Korean movie Parasite. Um, These movies are getting critical acclaim. I hear they're really good. I'm I'm actually hoping to, to see Parasite at some point. Um, but the reality is and you know this you can watch a thousand movies you can binge watch uh, on Netflix the best you know Scandinavian crime shows what have you you will find that as good as they might be they cannot ultimately satisfy and when we try to find ultimate satisfaction in them they turn into vicious idols because only God can satisfy us so verse 28 is a reality check do you not know have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God the creator of the ends of the earth he will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom God is so gracious to us he is reminding us of the basics you don't need a PhD to understand this um, you don't even need to know how to spell that word theology right? God is shaking his head at you, really? really? have you forgotten who I am? are you that clueless? listen I, stop. stop stop for a second slow down, put down your phone stop scrolling through your Instagram, Instagram feed, your Twitter account whatever, hit the pause button And imagine this, right? Imagine you're still a child or you're a young teenager. You're outside somewhere strange. It's like pitch black late in the night. You can barely see a thing. You hear strange noises in the night. An owl, perhaps, or something worse. If you were walking alone, would you be scared in that moment? Don't fake it. You'd be terrified. right? You'd be scared. Right, now, imagine if you were outside and your mom was holding one hand and your dad was holding the other hand. Would you be scared then? I don't think you'd be scared at all. Your parents are there and that makes all the difference in the world. There would be no fear because they're with you. And because mom and dad are there everything will be okay nothing bad is going to happen and that's exactly how it is with God he's ever present in our lives at least that's how it should be right think remember who is the Lord who is the living God whom we say we worship how would we describe this God so let's try he's amazing he's awesome he's astonishing breathtaking remarkable astounding marvelous oh man like those are great adjectives but they're kind of true but they still feel woefully inadequate they fall short they don't come close to capturing the epic unreal greatness of God All right, let's switch it up this way. Mon Dieu est vraiment étonnant. Well, you know, French is a beautiful language, but (laughs) I I still don't, I'm not feeling it, right? The words, they still fall short. These adjectives almost feel like cliches. They've lost their original power. All right, fine. Let's just use the language of the Bible. See how that goes. Who is this God? He is the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the first and the last. He is the beginning and the end. He is Elohim, the Creator God. El Shaddai, God Almighty, the Mighty One of Jacob. Adonai, the Lord. El Elyon, the Most High God. El Olam, Everlasting God. Yahweh, I am God. Who I am. My friends, we're just getting started, right? This is the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But you know what this means, right? Whatever your problem is, whatever you're worried about, whatever is keeping you up awake at night, remember this, God is bigger than all your problems combined. Double all your problems, God is bigger magnify your problems exponentially god is way way bigger who owns the cattle on a thousand hills it's the lord and i can promise you this there is nothing that you are dealing with that is a surprise to god nothing that can face him there is nothing that god can't vanish away in an instant And these are not Sunday morning platitudes, right? I am being dead serious. What I'm telling you right now, this is what it means to be woke for real. You feel alone? God is there with you. He knows all your problems. He doesn't just know your problems. They are like nothing to him. He can take them away. He can enable you to persevere through them and to come out stronger, deeper, more mature, more like Jesus Christ. He can do any of these things and more. All right, I, I, I see the questions in your eyes. How can he do all of that? If I only knew, if I only knew what you were going through, I wouldn't say such things. But you're wrong. You're wrong. I can definitely say that. Look at verse 28 again. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. That last line, it nails it. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. I'm not here to say that your problems are insignificant, um, and that they aren't real. I'm sure I'd be weeping if I knew the kinds of things that you have gone through. But remember, if you know Jesus Christ, you are not alone. There is someone infinitely bigger than your problems. And he is God our Father. And he wants you to turn to him instead of agonizing over your situation. We are foolish not to pray to him. Why? Why would we try to go it alone? Or to put your hope in drugs or alcohol or sex or any of the usual suspects? Come on. Why? Why do that to yourself? Why run away from the only one who can help you? Why dig yourself deeper into the ditch? Think about it. It makes no sense at all. God, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. I mean, to be honest, I, I am... I was trying to be polite, but I'm getting a little offended because I've still some people are still looking at me skeptically. And so I'm, can I just say, this isn't wishful thinking, right? What I'm saying is not make-belief. This is God's holy word. I know this passage was addressed to Israel a long time ago, but the Bible is not just an ancient book speaking to ancient people. God spoke to them, and God is speaking to us. Listen to what he says in verse 29. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Let those happy words sink in. If you are struggling today, if you feel like you can't carry on, look to your Father in heaven and He will lift you up. If you are tired, worn out, look to God to give you strength. If you are sad, your heart is broken. Look to God to renew your joy. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. Now, you may agree with me in principle, but you're still kind of pushing back a bit. I've tried that, Mr. Preacher. I've put my hope in him. I've asked other people to pray for me. I've done all of that, and then some. and My life still sucks. Those prayers they haven't been answered alright that's good that's, let, let's keep it real all right, I'm, let's have an honest dialogue about this first things first God is not a genie in the bottle he doesn't exist just to meet our every whim that's not biblical Christianity the Bible doesn't teach a prosperity gospel right? and I am saying that with some authority I'm a Nigerian after all and by the way it's not just Nigerians and Kenyans who fool around with the prosperity gospel Like even North American evangelicals do so too right you want things to go well with you you want to be happy you want to look good you want to feel good and if that's not happening oh man suddenly we're doubting whether God exists you get all depressed and sad and just to be honest that's a ridiculous attitude, right? The world does not revolve around you. It revolves around God. Right? So I'll say it again. God is not a genie in a bottle. The second thing to say is this. Don't give up on praying. So what? You're, you prayed for a day. Or you prayed for a few days. Or you prayed for a month. And then you gave up on God. Do you remember the parable of the persistent widow in Luke 18? She kept bothering that judge until she finally he finally gave her the justice she was looking for, first Thessalonians five verse seventeen says, "Pray without ceasing. Talk to some of the missionaries in in your congregation, and they 'll tell you sometimes you have to pray for years and years before you see god 's answer to prayer. My third point, sometimes our prayers aren 't answered because of sin in our lives. Because we're not walking in step with the Spirit. That's why James chapter 4, verses 2 to 3 says, You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So, I mean, honestly, I'm not trying to give a whole, you know, theology of prayer here, but um, maybe I can make one last point remember God knows best. If you are in Christ, you are already covered with His benediction. His will for your life is always wise, it is always good. And sometimes God's answer to our petitionary prayers is no. Sometimes His answer is wait. And sometimes we just don't understand what God is doing. But trust me, He knows best. And in the meantime, even as we pray without ceasing, God is using our circumstances. He's using our situations, our trials, our tribulations. He's using all of that to conform us to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Lord, please make me more like Jesus. I promise you that is a prayer that the Lord will answer with a yes. If I may, I want to speak directly to any high school students you know I, I know how it is some of you zone out during the sermon right? it seems like God's word is only for adults like we're the ones with all the problems so we're the ones who need God to comfort us on Sundays um, well I'm here to tell you that that's not true um, every Sunday every time your pastor comes to the pulpit to preach God is speaking to you guys as well all right. And if you zone out, you are missing out on what God is telling you. I know you don't believe me, right? So look at verse 30. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. Look at you, right? You're the stuff. You think you're invincible. You think you're young, you're cool, you're beautiful. The world is your oyster. You're not old and decrepit. Like Mr. Jock McGregor, right? (laughs) Right? You're an athlete. You have places to be, friends to hang out with, not a care in the world. Now listen, I'm sorry to break this to you, but difficult times, they will come. Maybe you will start having problems at school, or you'll start struggling with food, or you become simply overwhelmed with life and all the responsibilities you face. This might happen to you. And you need to know that what we do here every Sunday is not a game. This is not a game for us. It's not some cultural ritual for old geezers like me. Right? It's not some southern culture or civic religion type of thing. None of us are remotely interested in that. What we care about at Trinity Presbyterian Church is biblical Christianity. It is the worship of Yahweh. We are sons and daughters of God. We are united with Christ and part of a new family. As a matter of fact, it's not just about your parents. It's not just about other adults. You too are part of the people of God. God cares for you and God is waiting for you to turn to him. And that's exactly what it says in verse 31. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. My friends, if God be for us, who can be against us? This changes everything. The world is not what you thought it was. We are not alone. Sure, we have an enemy, the devil. But we do not stand alone against the powers of darkness. God and his angels are on our side. The Lord is our hope. God is our refuge and strength. And ever-present help in times of trouble. God is our refuge. But he's also created this thing called the church. And when we say the church, we don't primarily just mean a building with four walls. Right? If this this church collapsed tomorrow, the church would still be there. We are the church. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. In fact, the Bible says we are the body of Christ. And God has placed us together to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And what that means is scandalous God has given us the privilege to be ministers of Christ to each other God has chosen, in fact, God has chosen to answer many prayers through you through your elders through one another through people in this local body you're too ashamed to talk to your parents about your struggle you're embarrassed you're not sure how to even begin the conversation with your mom or dad, Why not pray to the Lord to give you strength, to give you the courage to talk to them about it? Well, I know how it is. Sometimes with family, things get complicated. right? But you know what? Even if you can't talk to your parents, there are many people you can talk to. You have many older brothers and sisters in Christ, in this church, wise and godly people whom God has placed in your life. They witnessed your baptism, and they made promises to God to look out for you. There are people you can talk to. All you need to do is ask. And and by the way, I'm not just talking to young people, right? We all need each other. We all need to be speaking Christ into our lives, ministering the gospel to each other, and that should be happening all the time, informally on Sundays, in other settings, small group Bible study, Mother's Day out. Um, I'm sh- I'm sure there's all kinds of ways that you all minister to each other at this church. As I said, I have never seen 13 reasons why. It it might be good drama. It might be good storytelling. I have no idea. But I do know that the premise of the show is the opposite of what God desires for you and me. If you're a Christian, it can never be so bad that you want to take your own life. As a good friend once pointed out to me, suicide is the ultimate deception. It's a permanent, irreversible solution for what is really just a temporary circumstance. Even if it feels to you like the end of the world, it's only temporary. You're at this low point, and you see suicide as the only way out. That is what, I think that's what we call tunnel vision. You need someone else to widen your horizon, to give you insight. When we're young, we have these setbacks, and we tend to blow them up out of proportion. Man, it's catastrophic. No, it's not. And you need someone older than you who can help you gain perspective and balance. Listen to me. If you are depressed or suicidal and you haven't told anyone, there are people at this church you can talk to, your pastor, the elders, any number of godly men and women in this church. God desires your good. Believe me, he does even when He allows you to go through the worst kinds of experiences. um, And I admit, most of the time, we can't make sense of why God allows things to happen to us in His sovereignty. I have experienced difficult things. I'm sure you have experienced difficult things. And often none of it makes sense. And yet, and yet, God is still our refuge. God is our refuge and our strength, and ever-present help in times of trouble. No matter what, no matter how long you have suffered, no matter how bad, no matter how utterly and utterly inexplicable it is, God is our refuge. The Apostle Paul knew this very well. I'm reading from Second Corinthians chapter 11. I have worked much harder... Been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food I have been cold and naked besides everything else I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches who is weak and I do not feel weak who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn those were Paul's trials and tribulations replace them with yours think about what you've been through Think about whatever you're going through even today. Think about that and then meditate on this glorious truth, which is also from the Apostle Paul, Romans chapter 8, 34 to 39, a passage that you all know very well. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. I hope you heard that. Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So rejoice. God is our refuge today. I said rejoice. Rejoice. God is our refuge this week Praise the Lord. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble, now and forever. Amen.